It has been rightly said, the Christian life is not a playground, it is a battleground. And we must be on our guards at all time. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us in chapter 3, verse 8, there is a time for war and a time for peace. Well, that certainly is true. But the thing we must understand is that when the day of Pentecost came, when the church was birthed, and the time of peace was no more, the time for war was declared. Our Lord told us in the Great Commission, All power is given me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 18-20 Our Lord has given us a divine command and He expects us to get busy doing it. He sends us out to bring people into the kingdom of God. He tells us that He has many more sheep that need to be gathered in. He sends us out to gather those sheep, the great shepherd. The problem though is that when He sends us out, He tells us it will not be easy. Mark's Gospel says that the church will have complications that they must deal with, such as serpents and poisonous things. These obstacles are by the enemy. The enemy has placed them in our way so we can't move forward. Our Lord tells us that the devil has been a liar from the beginning and he will stay that way. And so we are called to battle against him and his army. In the book of Genesis, the devil declared his war against us when he challenged God's word in the Garden of Eden. Man was influenced then by what Satan said and then disobeyed God. Since that day, man has been influenced over and over again by the devil and his army. So we are told to fight. And the scriptures exhort us to do this. Paul tells Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. Jude tells us to earnestly contend for the faith. The writer of Hebrews tells us about the great hall of faith that subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, and turned to flight the armies of foreign nations. We're called to battle. We've been attacked. Our Lord's word has been attacked. If he has attacked our God's truth, then he has attacked his blood-bought children as well. We can't sit idly by and watch this continue. John Calvin said that a dog barks when his master is being attacked, and I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked, and yet would remain silent. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. We are called to battle, therefore we must fight. The question is, how are we to fight the battle we're called to in the day and age in which we live? There are three ways that we can do this expressed in Ephesians 6, 10-13. I want us to consider them. Number one, the Christian needs to be strengthened. Number two, the Christian needs to be armed. And number three, the Christian needs to understand whom they are fighting. Number one, the Christian needs to be strengthened. 
Paul tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. First, why should we be strong? The answer is because the enemy is strong. That becomes clear as you go through the rest of the text. Paul tells us to be strong though. The idea is to be strengthened. In order to be strong, you must be strengthened. A soldier before he is given a gun and sent off to war must first go through basic training to prepare him for war. There must be training involved to gain that strength that is required to fight. So the Christian must do some spiritual training to prepare for the battle. Paul says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Might is the inherent power or force, the reserve of strength. Power is the exercise of might, the reserve of strength and operation. So Paul says to build yourself up so when the time comes for you to fight, you will be strong enough to fight. Now, how do we build ourselves up? How do we strength train? Well, from the scripture, we understand that we should be reading the scriptures, that we should be praying without ceasing, that we should be gathering together as the church and fellowshipping with one another. These are what the apostles did, the early church did, and what our Lord did when he walked the earth. The Christian needs a devotional life where he studies the word of God and gets to know the God of the word. The Christian needs a prayer life where he talks and communes with God. The Christian needs to be a part of a fellowship with other like-minded people who love God. This is where and how you will be strengthened. You will come to the Word of God and be amazed about God. You then will talk with God and tell Him how amazing He is and ask Him to help you in your weakness. You then will come to church and talk with others about how amazing God is and you and they will be strengthened. The Christian needs to be armed. Now, why should the Christian be armed? Well, so you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Paul will go on to tell us about what this armor entails in the verses that follow. Now we notice though that Paul says the whole armor of God. This simply means the complete armor of God, the armor God has given you. Paul wants to make it clear that it has to be all or nothing. You can't have some armor here and some there, it must be all or nothing. You can't be fully clothed with the helmet of salvation down to the belt of truth and have your sword of the spirit and not have your sword of the spirit. If you have the complete armor of God, then you will be able to stand against the devil and his wiles. Stand means to hold your position against your foe. Wiles mean the methods, the craft or cunning art of the devil. The Christian needs to be armed so you can hold your position as the devil tries every tactic in his book. The Christian is called to hold the line until. We're called to hold the line until Christ comes again. We live in the days where the methods of the devil will increase with intensity. Our enemy will try everything he can to destroy the church because he knows he hasn't much time left. Adolf Hitler tried something similar in World War II and the Battle of the Bulge took place. Our men were told to hold the line. It was during this battle that most men on the Allied side lost their lives, but they held the line and after the war was lost for Nazi Germany. Those men were bombed from the left, the right, the front. Anti-tank weapons were fired at them, knocking trees down, exploding all around them. Yet, they held the line and stopped tyranny from moving forward. Now, this is a quote attributed to Chesty Puller, who fought in the Pacific. All right, they're on our left. They're on our right. They're in front of us. They're behind us. 
They can't get away from us this time. May we say the same as we are armed holding the line for our Lord. The Christian needs to understand whom they are fighting. Now why should the Christian understand whom they are fighting? Well, we get confused sometimes. If you will notice, our enemy is not the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. That's a good reminder for us because a lot of the church hasn't figured that out yet. When you read verse 12 in Ephesians, you see that it is not man at all whom we are fighting. It is not man at all who is our enemy, but something far more powerful than man. We are doing battle with principalities, with powers, with rulers of the darkness of this world, with spiritual wickedness in high places. Now I think it is important to understand that the ideologies of man are highly influenced, if not fully influenced, by these spiritual forces in the world, even if the ideology rejects the idea of anything spiritual whatsoever. Any idea that is against God and our Lord Jesus Christ is definitely influenced by Satan and his army. So we are doing battle against Satan and his army, and the main way Satan seems to be fighting is through the influencing of man to do ungodly things in this world. Whatever Satan is for, the church is against and should be against. These principalities and powers that are in high places are producing various ungodly philosophies in the world and many are accepting these philosophies and are perishing. Communism is one of these ideology, ideologies. The whole God is dead movement, the sexual revolution, the abortion epidemic, the new atheism movement, Darwinian evolution, these ideologies were produced to win the souls of men and women. Satan is a good tactician. He knows exactly how to appeal to men and to women. He knows where we're vulnerable, and then by these methods he will get us if he can. In a lot of ways, we're waging an ideological warfare in this world, and I think we need to take that seriously. When the Black Death broke out in Europe, it was estimated to have killed 30% to 60% of Europe's population. Now that was very terrible, but the, uh, these ideologies are far worse because they lead men straight to hell. We are doing battle with spiritual powers that we need to understand. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 5, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We can win these battles that we are called to fight. We must understand whom we're fighting, though. General Patton said this, I have read the memoirs of generals and political leaders. I have read his philosophers and listened to his music. I have studied in detail the accounts of every one of his battles. I know exactly how he will react under any given set of circumstances. He hasn't the slightest idea what I'm going to do. Therefore, when the day comes, I'm going to whip him. If we as the church are strengthened, if we as the church are fully armed, and if we as the church understand our enemy, then we will fight the battle rightly and effectively. After all that I have said so far, 
we must do it is what Paul says in verse 13. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now we must understand that this will require courageous faith. Courageous faith, my friends. It was this kind of faith that encouraged Martin Luther to nail his 95 Theses to the Wittenberg door. It was this kind of faith that led William Tyndale to translate the Bible into the English language. It was this kind of faith that led David to pick up that sling and face the giant, or Samson to pick up a jawbone and kill a thousand Philistines. These men were courageous and knew their God. They were strengthened in God's power and might. They were completely armed with God's armor, and they knew whom the enemy was that they were facing. May we understand that we are called to battle, and may we fight the good fight of faith until our Lord calls us home to be with Him. May we hold the line until...